0: This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 45. Today we hear about the animals and the universe. And hello and welcome everybody to another podcast of Visit the Zoo and I am your host, Author Frederick Fishman of the 12-book 120 Animal Visit the Zoo series of Kindle books, print books, audio books on audible.com, a DVD, and, of course, this podcast. I want to remind you about our three websites. First of all, our main website, which is zooanimals.info. That's zooanimalsplural.info. My main author website is at Frederick Fishman, spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N.com, and I just completely redid that website, so you may want to check that out. Again, FrederickFishman.com. We have two crowdfunding sites that I hope that you will visit and consider helping us finance what we do here at Visit the Zoo. The first one is at patreon.com and that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash visit the zoo. And a new crowdfunding site at gofundme.com slash visit dash the dash zoo dash zoo podcast. I'll make sure I put those links for all of those sites up on the show notes. And we have two merchandise stores on Amazon and Zazzle where you can get t-shirts and a whole bunch of other things with all of the great logo art and also some illustrations for a Visit the Zoo. And you can get those merchandise stores on Amazon and Zazzle by going to zooanimals.info upper right tabs you'll see zoosware on amazon and zoosware on zazzle you can just click on either one and they'll take you to the stores okay let's get started We've got a couple of stories for you. The first one is entitled Zoo America Wows Bethel Tulpe Library Patrons with Live Animal Visits. Zoo America North American Wildlife Park visited the Bethel Tulip... I won't even attempt to pronounce the word. Public Library on August the 14th. Lori... Cruza, naturalist brought five live animals from the zoo to amaze the nearly one hundred and fifty people who attended zoo america north american wildlife park visited the bethel library and held a barred owl among other animals the park he is in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and is visited. Lori Cruz, a naturalist, brought five live animals from the zoo to dazzle and amaze nearly 150 people who attended the hands-on program. Cruz played the sounds of each animal. Well, that's like what we do here. And had the audience guess the animal before putting it on display. Well, that's sort of like what we do here, except we don't put the animal on display. The most difficult sounds to identify were the Madagascar hissing cockroach, which I have played, a striped skunk, and alligator, another animal that I've had you guess before. More easily identified sounds were that of an owl and a snake. The Zoo America program was just one of the many programs held throughout the summer as part of the summer reading program. We also held our animal carnival on August the 11th, complete with a juggler, Bouncy house games and great food. That is story number one. This next story is from Miami, Florida. Port Miami is the largest passenger port in the world and one of the largest cargo ports in the United States. So it's no surprise that a lot of different things arrive on its stocks from all over the world, including wildlife. Because of their expertise and resources, Zoo Miami is sometimes asked to help agencies with special situations. Most occurrences are fairly straightforward. People can be unaware of the restrictions on plants and animals going through the port, or they don't file the correct paperwork or have the proper permits. Other cases can involve uninvited animal hitchhikers or even stowaways or something more nefarious. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service established the Plant Rescue Center Program in 1978 to care for plants confiscated by the government due to non-compliance with import and export requirements. Since 1988, Zoo Miami has been part of the USFWS Plant Rescue Center program. Zoo Miami's departments of animal science and animal health have also quickly responded by housing and caring and providing appropriate nutritional, social, behavioral needs for various species that they've been asked to take over in short notice. They do this while still maintaining quarantine conditions to protect the other resident animals at Zoo Miami. Although they often don't know the origin, current health condition, or the amount of time that these animals have been in transit, animal experts ensure that they are provided with the highest standard of care and an environment that is as stress-free as possible. Currently, the Zoo Miami Conservation Research Unit is taking the lead from port to park those are our two news stories for today all right it's time to guess some animal sounds now i'm going to give you three and then later on in the episode i'll tell you who these animals were and a little bit about them so let's play the first animal sound That was short and sweet. The sound of that animal is a lot smaller than what this animal actually is, and you may be surprised. Here's animal sound, mystery animal sound, number two. (coughs) That was animal sound number two. And finally, here's animal sound number three. This may or may not be familiar to you. (coughs) our three mystery animal sounds for this episode number 45 of visit the zoo i'm going to do something now that's a little bit different usually we put in an animal description in this segment and what i did over the last few days i wrote an essay about the animals that i want you to listen to so i dropped in this little sound bite so let's play it for you right now And the Universe. As some of you may know, the other side of my writing life, besides churning out Visit the Zoo, Kindle, and print books, audiobooks, a DVD, and this podcast about animals, I write science fiction, and that's how I started and what led me to my Visit the Zoo project. So, Sometimes my mind wanders back into the stars. I stroll around the space-time continuum and I consider, what if? Recently I saw a BBC documentary about the beginnings of life on our planet. It was followed by another documentary about the birth of the universe, how life evolved on Earth and how humans animals, insects, bacteria, viruses began under the formula that life is made up of the building blocks of the universe found throughout the universe, made up of atoms and subatomic elements that were created in gas clouds light years away from Earth. Those gas clouds created the stars And those stars eventually collapsed and exploded into supernovas, explosion blasting cosmic material out into space. That material formed galaxies like our Milky Way. Within the Milky Way, a spinning disk of material coagulated into our sun and planetary material formed planetoids, and then planets. I considered what I was hearing from those documentaries and then asked myself, okay, so the building blocks for life were there during Earth's creation. So then all life on Earth is made up of those building blocks blown out from supernova, forming our solar system disk and then the suns, and the planets. All of those alien elements on Earth in the beginning evolved or created life on this planet, all life. Carrying that thought one step further, so then we are all aliens on this Earth. We are the aliens who settled down in small atomic-sized pieces to planet Earth and have now formed into animals, land, sea, and air, insects and bacteria and viruses that created and evolved life now inhabit this planet. All the animals we talk about on this podcast are aliens. We've come from somewhere else. Further, it stands to reason, I think, That all of the other animals in the other galaxies spread throughout the universe are, in fact, aliens on their own worlds. And they are our ancestral cousins. We're related. When we do meet these other animals now on planet Earth or far into the future from other worlds, there will be a difference in anatomical architecture between us but the most common differences will be cultural and environmental. All of the separate species here on Earth and beyond look at our environment and life differently from their own perspectives. Closer to home, it would be really interesting to know if the other 8.3 million species scientists have classified living on this Earth contemplate these questions or wonder about other species on Earth or elsewhere. It takes a large complex brain filtered through generations of growth and advancement to consider these great questions. But sometimes when I look into the eyes of my mini poodle Sky, when she stares into my eyes, I wonder, is she waiting for a treat? Or is she thinking about me or Is she considering the universe? There's a little bit about the universe and all of the animals here on the planet Earth. Let's move on now back to our animal sounds and let me see if you guessed what these animals were. Let's start with again with the first one. That's a small sound for a big animal called a taper. It looks somewhat like a big fat pig but it's not. It lives in Central America and South America Southeast Asia as well. Most are about six feet long and they weigh between 330 and 700 pounds. They have a fat long proboscis in front of their heads that they use to help grab foliage. They live about 20 to 25 years in zoos or in the wild. They like to live in dryland forests but they prefer to live near water. They eat fruit, berries, and soft vegetation. They are nocturnal animals, and they have been known to attack humans. Now let's go to our next animal sound. (coughs) That small sound from another larger animal, it's called a sloth. It lives in the forest, in trees, and most of their lives spent upside down. They're Habitat is in tropical rainforests of Central and South America. There are two-toed and there are three-toed species of sloths. They are helpless on the ground, but they can swim. They have a very low metabolism rate. That's why they move so slowly. They mostly eat leaves. Extinct sloths lived on land and near seas as well. And the largest of these extinct sloths was as big as an elephant those are sloths now our third animal sound that's a penguin it's an aquatic flightless bird they go to sea to eat krill fish and squid and they go back to land to socialize find a mate lay eggs and raise their young half of their time is spent at sea and the other half is spent on land almost all species of penguin live in the southern hemisphere in cold climates like Antarctica, but some venture a bit north. Their black and white coats are iconic and well-known. The emperor penguin is the largest of these penguin species, and they stand about 3 feet 7 inches, and they weigh about 77 pounds. The smallest species of penguin is called the little blue and it is 17 inches tall and weighs 22 pounds and those are our three mystery animal sounds for today And we're coming to the end of this episode, and we have one more segment, and that is the reading of a poem, or maybe a quote. And I think I'm going to read another poem today, and and this one is especially timely because of the penguin sound that we played for you just a moment ago. And this is a poem called March of the Penguins by Dave Whitten. The emperor penguins march, slip and slide, and march. Males and females, side by side. Follow their instinct to a meeting ground, a mating ground, then stop. Males preen, while females, outnumbering the males, fight for a mate, fight for their mothering need. Secure for a while in their penguin love, one pair stands motionless on the ice, as if posing in a black and white still under a cloudless blue heaven. With gentle feet, females slowly pass the fragile eggs. To their mates, in an old age ritual, learned but not rehearsed, an egg rolls away, its warmth cracking fatally on freezing ice. The living parcels passed by skillful pairs may yet survive what is to come in nature's largest and harshest landscape on earth. The mothers, exhausted, but their part unfinished, force themselves to leave, to retrieve, replenish, and return within four months. Meanwhile, the males, heads bowed, backs to the howling storm, with their young enfolded beneath them, huddle like stubborn skittles, resisting all that nature has to throw at them. Hatching and surviving, one chick feeds off milky fat, wrenched from the throat of an already starving father. Death is inevitable if the mother does not return, and already the gray feathers of the early born blow like dead ashes scattered across the frozen ice. But suddenly, in a deafening volume, the females arrive. They stop and listen to recognize the unique cries of their chicks, Feeding begins and afterwards a family of three can be seen standing together away from the crowd. A living monument to survival and commitment in nature's harshest landscape on earth. Well, that's a wrap for this episode number 45 of the visit the zoo podcast i want to thank you very much for joining me whether you listen on itunes or one of the 12 plus podcast directories or at the home at www.zooanimals.info we ask you to please subscribe rate and review subscribe rate and review and don't forget our three websites at zooanimals.info Author site at Frederick Fishman, that's spelled F I C H M A N dot com, and our new crowdfunding site at www.gofundme dot com forward slash visit dash the dash zoo dash podcast or to the other crowdfunding site patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash visit the zoo and don't forget our two merchandise sites and you can get those by going to zooanimals.info top right tab you'll see zoosware on amazon and zoosware on zazzle thank you very much for joining me i hope you have a great week ahead and let's get back together next week bye-bye